This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Yes, welcome in to Action Movie Rewind with Mackie and Judd, where every single week we do deep dives into some of the most popular action movies in American cinematic history. I don't want to limit it just to American cinematic history, because at some point we might even venture up. Maybe we'll do some foreign films with subtitles, mm. Judd. We'll keep it under two I'm hours. I'm busy those weeks. Yeah, I'm busy those okay. weeks. <laughs> subtitles, I'm uh, out. We do way too deep dives into some of the most prominent popular action movies of all time. And we have stumbled into Gone in 60 Seconds, boys. A remake of the 1974 original. I this did not one's know starring that. Nick. This is a remake? Mm-hmm. This is a remake oh. of a 1974 original. Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. I'm just learning this. Let you you process process this here. I think the original one had a $150,000 budget or something, just like no budget at all whatsoever. Uh, This one had a $90 million budget turned into $237 million at the box office. So the public loved this movie, at least in terms of spending money. The Rotten Tomatoes approval rating, not so much, 25%. (laughs) Here's the summary. Randall Memphis Reigns long ago abandoned his life of crime, but after an ominous visit from an old friend, he finds he has no choice but to return to what he does best, stealing cars, in order to save his brother's life. It all comes down to one night, 50 cars, and a contract for $200,000, which we'll get to. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus says even though Oscar bearers Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, and Robert Duvall came on board for this project, the quality of Gone in 60 Seconds is disappointingly low. The plot line is nonsensical, (laughs) and even the promised car chase scenes are boring. Uh, How does it sit with you guys before we get into our statements and everything else here? So, so here's the cast. Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Robert Duvall, Will Patton, Giovanni Ribisi, and several several others that you – I think Master P was in this movie. Timothy Olyphant. Some other recon- – yep, some other recognizable faces. How does it sit with you that three former Oscar winners starred in this movie? Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, and Robert Duvall. Absolute cash grab is how it sits with me. <laughs> One of the biggest cash grabs of all time. And by the way, that being said, I will preface this entire thing by saying this is the exact type of film I love to do in this format. Okay. Like it was like like its faults are glorious. Mm-hmm. It fits perfectly. False. False. I might fight yep. you on Sorry. that. Sorry, okay. 
Okay, some fun production notes here. This is another Jerry Bruckheimer produced classic. You can always tell a Bruckheimer movie. Some like quick cutting scenes, dimly lit, just a lot of a lot of music in the background and stuff, upbeat. Nicolas Cage did most of his own stunt driving for this film. He attended the Bondurant Driving School in Phoenix, Arizona. That's awesome. Uh, Willow Springs, another car driving school, and the Bobby Orr Stunt Driving School in preparation for this film. So you went to three different stunt and Bobby Orr. What was the last one? O R O R E. Okay. Okay. Yeah. John and I were about to get excited. Bobby Orr, the director (laughs) from the Bruins, had a stunt driving school. How to how to dive your car across the crease and score an iconic goal. Uh, he liked the race car driving school so much that he continued to pursue it as a hobby after shooting was completed for this movie. Oh, so he's like cruising, flying, cruising his own stunts. Everyone wanted to, wanted to do their own stunts. So the way we format these action movie rewinds now that we've sort of rebirthed this franchise is we go around the room and give statements about the movie. We'll start with Judd. Statement number one. Oh, God, there's so many statements here. There's so many things. This is just glorious. All right, I'll start with this one. The cops in this film suck. These are some of the worst cops I've ever, (laughs) and I know it's written in, but the the fact is that at every turn, these are the most incompetent, at times short-staffed, at times not clear thinking. Um Sounds like a lot of normal cops. The the <laughs> wow, that's a shot. The ability in the chase scenes of the cops to go so, sort of across between Smokey and the Bandit and the Dukes, where they're just like <laughs> arbitrarily crashing into things, and then it's like, well, we give up. He got away again. Um, yeah, that's my first. My first statement is the ineptitude of the cops is truly incredible. It's not shocking. But I kept thinking, like, are the cops ever going to get a win here? And really, they didn't. I love that you brought this up because yeah. the last note that I took for this movie, I'm just going to read it verbatim here. It's like I, I took a bunch of notes, obviously, and at the very end, I, I wrote, how does the cop just let Nicolas Cage go? <laughs> yeah. Nicolas Cage facilitated the theft of 50 high-end vehicles. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the whole thing, he's just like, ah, yeah, it's a... You're helping your brother. Just, just, just run away before I change my mind. <laughs> what? I, right, you saved gone. my life. You saved my life. So you know what? Despite the fact that you and a cartel of well-known car thieves just basically destroyed fifty cars, chop shopped them. I don't know what. Yeah, that's cool. Like, what is? Go ahead. What is the point of your existence in that? And, and these guys worked for the. I think the. The Grand Theft Auto Bureau of yes, the police right. department, right? They the, did. Los Angeles, the LAPD. Mm-hmm. And so these guys, for a living, they track down guys like Nicolas Cage. And Nicolas Cage is like the absolute, you know, prized fish in the sea to catch. And at the end, he's like, oh, my career doesn't matter. My existence in this bureau is irrelevant. Just go. Just he go. says, I'll take care of it. The guy's <laughs> dead. The bad guy, the, the bad, bad guy is dead. And the cop's like, you we'll go. I'll take care paperwork. of this. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Well, it's funny because right. I, I, I had a cop statement, too, that I, that was, I was going to say for the end, but now we're on the vein. It, it's, that, it's that Timothy Oliphant is the perfect cop. Like, he is, he is typecast in so many roles where he is a detective or a cop. I don't know if you guys watched Deadwood on HBO, uh, but he was a prominent character in that. Uh, Justified on TNT, I believe. That was a long-running, similar show. Uh, he's also had like little tiny cameos, like in Fargo, he played a cop, uh, two seasons ago. 
in Star Wars Boba Fett, he basically played a cop. Hmm. He is the perfect typecast for a policeman. And I think, uh, judging by his IMDb page, because I was looking at it last night, this was kind of like the first one that led into all these cop roles, because Deadwood was in like the early to mid-2000s. This came out in 99. Justified was like from 2010 to 2015. He is the perfect cop, perfect detective. He's in so many things. He's one of those guys who are depending on what you see and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy, but I can't pinpoint it. Oh, it's that. So I'm just going to go through his, his, this, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but his IMDB list of movies starting in the mid 1990s. So he was in scream two. I definitely remember him. Love from somebody. Scream, scream two, mm-hmm. no vacancy in 1999. It was a, a horror film of some kind gone in 60 seconds. Uh, rock star in 2001, the girl next door. Great movie. The Girl Next Door was a highly underrated, Very bad movie. rom-com type yeah, movie we should in the early one, 2000s. Yeah, and there's some other ones in here, but one of those guys like, yeah, what's he from again? I looks very familiar. So, yeah. Okay. My first statement. The, there's so many places to go here. I'll, I'll go here. Trying to steal 50 high-end cars in what amounted to be a 12-hour period doesn't seem worth the risk to save your idiot brother and or for a $200,000 reward. Like, I just, I don't, okay, so you're asking me around Los Angeles, by the way, which is not the easiest city to get around here, okay, to steal 50, and I'm not stealing Camrys and Jeeps here. I'm stealing, I have to track down high-end Aston Martins. I mean, look at that list. It's actually on the there's a full list on the Wikipedia page for this movie of all the cars that were on that chalkboard. You can find them all. And they're only getting $200,000 for it. I don't know if you guys caught that part, but it was a $200,000 yep. reward yep. to steal all those cars. Yep. Mm-hmm. And save the life of. I might need a little more money or a little bit more time. I think if I'm a really bad guy, I just try and kill the bad guy and eliminate I him. I got thoughts on that. Right, right. Yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. What's the okay? So you're, yeah, that's a great. I'd rather kill him than because he's going to kill my brother. Yep. So you, okay, so you have to to save your brother, and let's yep. take the money out of it. To save your brother, you have to either steal fifty cars in twelve hours with a crew that you put together in like a three day period, mm-hmm. or put together a crew. Maybe it's the same crew, maybe it's a different crew to take out the other bad guys. What would be easier? Wouldn't it just be to go take out the other bad guys? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Easily. Is Easily. there a shorter version of this movie where, you know, 20 minutes in Nicolas Cage is like, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. I'm not stealing 50 cars in 12 hours. Let's just go kill these guys. <laughs> it's weird. Because I, I kept thinking. Yeah, it just doesn't seem worth the risk. At the end, he kills him. So if you had killed him at the start of the film, like like when he threatened you and your brother, and by the way, he had your brother in a car that they were going to smash, mm-hmm. and so like he was going to kill him. Like it, th- there was no question. So I think at that point you've got to take on his crew. But anyway, what if he just let your brother die and didn't go through with the fifty cars in twelve hours thing? Neither of you have brothers either, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an only, let, I'm an only child, I'm an only and that's child. definitely an only I wouldn't child let my brother thing to die say. if I was a totally. big brother. I don't think I let my, my brother would probably move more hell on earth than I would. I think if it's your bigger brother, you probably yeah. don't try and save him. If it's your little brother, you yeah. might. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're 
big brother, like like he and and he felt. I mean, what if no, it's a stepbrother? If it's a stepbrother, oh, you let him dead. die. Then he's dead. Yep. Okay. But the one thing about this film that did track was the storyline was that the Cage's character moved away because the mom said, "If you don't, your brother's basically going to get into the same business that you did," and he's like, "I don't want that." And so it happened, and I think he felt guilty. Like, that actually made some sense. There's a lot of things that didn't make sense, but that actually okay. made some sense to me. Can I also ask, too, why 50? Did we ever find out why 50 cars? Why was it 50 cars? Why wasn't it 100 cars uh, or 25 cars? I think because the – so Raymond Collardi, who is, yeah, just in a, in a statement, one of the most uninspiring bad guys we've ever reviewed in, in this franchise. Yeah, he's not very good. All right. I agree with So that. before I answer uh, – first, I'll answer your question. So he says – in the early parts of the movie, like, I promised this, you know, South American car lord, I, yeah. for whatever reason, uh, like, 50 cars. That's what, And it was arbitrary, Phil. He just said, like, I promised him 50 cars. If I don't deliver the 50 cards, then I lose his essential business account uh, through this Grand Theft Auto. But Raymond Collardi is, outside of, like, threatening to crush dudes in cars, nothing about this guy's terrifying. It'd be like if I was running a car mop. Like, he, he does nothing that scares you. Like, he's kind of into carpentry, which is super weird. In fact, on his Wikipedia page for this movie, Raymond Collardi is a ruthless and gruel gangster with a passion for carpentry. That's the first <laughs> sentence on his Wikipedia well, page. But they try and tie, with, then at the end, then when Cage pursues him and he's got the the chair that Collardi has built, yeah. and he's like, don't, no, don't touch that. It's supposed to show you how weird the guy is. But here's the thing. That bad guy character is really non-essential because, like, the bad guy is supposed to be yes. Cage and his crew, but you root for them. And then the good guys are supposed to be the cops, but you hope the cops lose. Like, it gets very— You're right. The, the Killardi character, to me, was a throw-in. Like, it's just a stereotypical—I bet you that guy was doing a, another film at the same time. Because he disappears for a long time. Yeah, you're right. And it's so uninspired. I mean, that's a perfect word. Yeah, yeah he probably goes like an hour without screen time from the from, a, from the first yeah. threat to when they actually give him the, the last car. Absolutely. Okay, I, I was trying to find this because I remember I was in some research last night. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm clearing my throat here. I, love uh, I saw something about this. This actor's name is, uh, hold on a second. This is This is worth it. So he's a British actor, obviously. And he said something. His name is Christopher uh, Axliston. Yep. Christopher Axliston. I looked him up. Yeah. So he told he told some media platforms at some point in the last 20 years that he's not. Oh, here it is. He admits he's not proud of his performance in the film is what he's apparently on the yeah. record saying. Self-awareness. Very important. Good for him. He's just, well, what? <laughs> I could have given more. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He just uh, he doesn't. He, he he doesn't look back fondly at his performance in well, the movie. He has some he has some regrets about he the should. way that he played the bad guys. The entire film, the the entire I mean, the cast. cast. I mean, when he thinks about it, like the cast is pretty dang good. Like Scott Conn, really? Angelina Jolie. No, it's great. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, there's some good actors. There's, in this there's movie. three actors. Three Oscar but, winners. But what yeah. Phil yeah. read is exactly right. Yeah. Like for the star power, it's really not that. Like it's surprisingly <laughs> mailed in by too many of them. <laughs> I thought. All right. All right. Back to Judd here. All right. My next statement is this. The nonsense started early. So, like, at first, I'm like, okay, what was the first thing where, where like, this film was like, no way? And it, it was when 
Ravisi's character and his crew initially before they get in trouble. They steal a car from what, like a Porsche dealer, I think? It's something like that. High end. Was it a a Ferrari dealer or something? Yeah. So anyway, he decides to go out the window of the dealership. So he's going to gun it because the guy who's with him is like, you're not going to do that or you're not going to do what I think you are. And he's like, yeah. And they go right through the plate glass window. All right. The car is no damage. So like the car gets out into the road. There's no grill. Like I looked at the grill. Like you can briefly see it. The car that lands in the road and drives away, like the front end would be mangled. Like you just went through a solid plate glass. And those cars are what? Like fiberglass or something. It's not like they're big cars. Yeah, they're not a that car was in perfect shape. And at that point I said, Oh my God, this this is gonna be a film that has more unbelievable scenes. And you know what? It lived up to expectations. It absolutely did. That was one of the things that, you know, my OCD and anxiety was triggered a little bit just as the clock was counting down and they're trying to steal these 50 cars that, oh, my God, he dinged the side view mirror. Oh, now they're going to have to repair that. I just kept thinking about, oh, there's a nick and a scratch. I don't know if they're going to accept this one in the condition that it's in. That poor Mustang (laughs) would have fallen apart by the end of the chase. Okay, my real quick here, my next statement, because it's it's in line with everything we're talking about here. The timeline doesn't seem realistic. <laughs> so, so 41 hours left. Yep. And they start looking at the list of 50 cars for the first time. They put it up. They got, they got the list. They got the chalkboard, everything. Mm-hmm. So for, 41 hours until <laughs> they have to have 50 cars stolen, and they now have the list of cars they need to steal. And Nicolas Cage, they start doing research. Nicolas Cage goes into a dealership at one point. Uh, so they have to finalize a list of addresses. They have to they hack into. By the way, they almost just dismissed Nicholas Cage's brother came and said, "Hey, I got a crew of guys. I'd love to help you with this. It's my life on the line." Nicholas yeah. Cage is like, "You need to back off. We, we you've already screwed enough things up here. We got you covered, right?" Well, then they lean on his friend, who's the computer hacker guy, to get into the DMV database to get a bunch of addresses and stuff. Like, what would they have done without computer <laughs> hacker guy? And this is Nicholas, what was Nicholas Cage's plan to get a, a full list of addresses and stuff? That's what I want to know. You're about to dismiss this dude. Oh, yeah. And he becomes an integral part of you getting the list of addresses. So they don't actually, so they, you know, they get the addresses and they have to go and scout out where these cars are to make sure, okay, so this car is over here in this impound lot. These cars are in this little warehouse over here. They're doing all of this within like, I don't know, a 24 hour period or less than that. 12 hour mark, they start stealing cars. Yep. And they wind up stealing 50 cars in, in 12 hours. At one point, there's no sense of urgency here, by the way, either, because at one point with a few hours left, Nicholas Cage starts trying to hook up with Angelina Jolie in one of the cars. Yep. Yeah, it was awesome. Just Outside, like, oh, we yeah. got like 12 cars to steal. Let's just let's yes. hook up over the dashboard here real quick. Yep. Uh, so I just have a lot of questions about the timeline for how this was pulled off in such so, a short amount of time. I thought the same thing they were just like dilly-dallying. For like when the 72 hours starts, right? Like you said, like it's around like 40 for the 41st hours when they finally start like, all right, what's our actual plan here? But yeah. I, 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 which I did not. I was like, so they waited X amount of hours where they're like, all right, so all right, here we go. We got 31 hours and we're going to steal this car. We have names for this car. We have keys for this. But I think to the point, though, of them waiting at the last second, especially with the 12 hour mark when they actually start stealing the cars, 
is if the probably the longer the car was like off the lot, the more likely the car would probably be tracked, right? They explained so that, that too. That was probably yes, and yeah, that was their thought process of if they're going to do it that way, that's why we're waiting so long. But I, I, I would also think he calls like a few guys. He has a like a whole, all that list of dudes where he's he's, he's calling his like buddies to try to figure out who to do it, and only two show up. Only like only the driver's ed dude and the weird morgue guy are the ones that show up to help him. I thought more people would come out to help him outside of the yeah. henchmen. Yeah. I, another logistical question too, and I think I know part of the answer, but how do they get from car to car so quickly? So again, they have 12 hours to steal 50 cars. And at one point, Angelina Jolie was driving Nicolas Cage to right. a car and then he would get in and then she would presumably drive somewhere else. But like they had multiple teams of of guys going out to steal cars, mm-hmm. did they have so did they have multiple sort of chauffeur drivers too? I think that's, so. You yeah, I think you that's go deliver a car and then the other car trails you. Like yes. just the logistics of all of this seem very yes. difficult. And then don't you have to stop for gas at some point? Think about no. how much driving you're doing in twelve hours. No, not in this. You probably have no. to stop at a gas station no. a few times. What if some of these cars are on empty? They're electronic. You know, stop at a gas station with a the Ferrari, uh. stolen Ferrari. This might be, no, it's not the most, but this is among the most implausible films. Just the whole storyline had so few things. All right. I have a statement almost exactly on that. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not a big disclaimer. I'm not a big car guy. Like I've never been someone who gets just like, I have to go see a car, look out the engine at that six cylinder, look how fast it goes zero to 60. I have a lot of friends who are super into cars, does absolutely nothing to me. When they give me crap for liking wrestling, I say you like cars, okay? Like we we we're allowed to kind of like what we what we like here. All right, I, that that just a little disclaimer before I give the statement. But my statement is, I think you could convince me to steal some cars. I think if I think if it was the right guy like Nicolas Cage and we were stealing like some sweet fast cars and the plan was and the plan was solid i think you could convince me to steal some cars they make it look so (laughs) fun and sexy and it's not it looks it it looks so much fun i think i could do it no you would you pee your pants (laughs) so would i by the way but yes i thought the same thing like they're like going through it's like oh we're stealing some cars and it's all fun and games yeah no thank you but anyway so so you can do you have a type of car that you would potentially look to steal or is it just more the thrill of stealing a car and doing something i brought this up yesterday when i was watching it and the girl the gal goes can you even can you drive a stick shift which i can't i can't i've never driven a stick shift more like no well then you cannot steal these cars like probably at least 60 to 70 percent of them are stick shift cars i so can't even drive a manual but if it's an automatic and there's a nice plan involved i think i can steal the car I can't if, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a RAV4. Yeah, if it's a RAV4. And, and, the, yep. and the gas tank just is full. Standard yep. edition. Yep. Full gas. <laughs> and you sign it out. Four, four-wheel drive. Like a rental car. Could, 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 could like the automatic. It. You know, I don't want to leave it on and then the battery drains. Like, I, I, I think I could do it. Stick shifts, man. I can't drive them. No. <laughs> Can you, Phil? Uh, so it's funny. I actually learned how to drive for the first time in my dad's stick shift. He had a like an early '90s Corolla stick shift or something, and so yep. he took me out when I was 15 years old, just out in parking lots and stuff. But I took my driver's test with an automatic and then never looked back. So I literally <laughs> haven't driven a stick shift since I was 15 years old Good for you. <laughs> in a parking lot. <laughs> Good for you. All right, uh, back to Judd. Statements here. Okay, my next statement is this one: There are no consequences. I do believe this film will top our list of zero. The only consequence 
is the computer guy, I think. When they're stealing the car, uh, it's like a four-by-four or something. Anyway, he gets shot by the cop who's trying to stop him, right? Mm -hmm. But he's fine. And, like, Ravisi's character and the the older guy from the crew go and wait for him at the hospital. Now, they just stole a car, and he just got shot by a cop. But nobody, like, investigates about why a guy who has a bullet from a cop in him, he, he's going to be fine. There are no consequences for anybody. <laughs> at the end of the film, they're all, like, enjoying a barbecue, and dude who don't talk starts talking. Um, it, I mean... Zero consequences. Nobody dies. One guy gets hurt. No one is no one is arrested. This is the least consequences that I think that we have seen in a film maybe ever. Yeah, the the cop who lets Nicolas Cage off the hook, I would I would assume that no one else knew that that happened, right? He he yeah. just say, I don't know, I guess he got away. But how about the dude that got shot? Like he is in the hospital having a bullet which is from the gun of a cop taken out of him, and the doctor just comes out, no questions. They don't call the cops, no. and they're and uh, they're just like you the your friend's going to be you fine. Know, the guy's got a you know, the guy rolled up in some Ferrari or something and has a bullet hole. Why would you call the cops? You know, um, the other part of that scene right before he gets shot by what may have been a security guard with a gun. I don't okay. know that that was a cop. Either way, like, is that allowed? Can you just pull a gun if you're a security? Guard? I wouldn't think a security That's guard true. can just start shooting arbitrarily at a car. But what, yeah. whatever. But they made mention that they were lost in the neighborhood. They were just like lost in the burbs, and it really—it's not that long ago. That's only 22 years ago. Hmm? But they didn't have GPS. They didn't have iPhones or anything, and they didn't have a working GPS in a car that was yeah. you know from the 90s. So, yeah, it's pretty easy to get lost in a strange suburb only 20 years ago. Now you just fire up your Apple Maps or whatever. When you've jacked a car, which, dashboard. by the way, you should have cased it so that, that you would know exactly what the escape route is. Instead, oh. they're just like strolling well, that's through what the neighborhood. When, when you procrastinate until 41 hours left to even get the list, Touché. you're not going to be fully you're just prepared. just driving through. All right, my next statement is, this movie signified the end of a glorious run of Nicolas Cage action movies and is, dramas. Is it the last one? It's the last of this uh, magnitude. Yeah. Okay. He, he Interesting. Did a lot more. Yeah. Well, and we'll actually put a pin in that for a second. He's done a lot more since this movie came out. But this movie was the end of a five-movie run, and there was a couple others sprinkled in here, but, like, the five big pillars from 1994 or 5 until 2000. Okay. The Rock, leaving Las Vegas, for which he won an Oscar. Yeah, that's a... Con Air, Face Off, gone in 60 seconds to become one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Think about that run. We've reviewed some of these on the old version of it, and we can, we'll bring at least a couple of these back. We have not done Face Off yet because Judd protests the runtime. It's over two hours. We have to do face off at some point. Just it's a trust us, Judd. It's a <laughs> it's a movie that will absolutely fit this this format. Uh, so since then, Nicolas Cage has he's been in 13 straight to video movies since 2014. I don't even know what straight to video means in the last I was say, eight is years. That straight to uh, straight like to streaming platform, Netflix straight to and DVD. Or, yeah. But he's been in 13 different straight-to-video movies since 2014. All right. Um, here's another nugget about Nicolas Cage that I found interesting. In February 2011, Cage said that at a certain point in his career, he realized that he had developed his own method of acting, which he described as novu schematic. 
Novu Shamanic. Okay. Is, is, his an, style of acting. is there an explanation of what the hell He's, that means? He noted, at some point, I'll have to write a book about it. Cage later explained that he drew the inspiration for his acting style from the name of the book, The Way the Way of the Actor by Brian Bates, in which he read about the parallel between ancient shamans and thespians. Wow. Oh. But he's got his own... I mean, when you watch him act, it is a very, like, over-the-top and sarcastic and... You know, he's not playing a real human. He's playing I always like thought a it was just theatrical his, like, version yeah, his of speaking, somebody. His speaking style is very deliberate. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's 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 a little over the top. I I guess I would just say he's a little over the top, but he calls it Novu Shamanic. All right. His hmm. acting style. Hmm. But uh what a run for Nicolas Cage. The Rock leaving Las Vegas, Con Air face off and gone in sixty seconds. Mm. God. Uh, my next statement is, apparently this is a drinking game. This movie is a very prominent drinking game. Okay. There was a certain member in my household that wasn't me or the dog that said in college, they used to watch this movie a lot, and you had to take a drink every time either a car was named or one of the code names was, was said. Oh, my God. They must have been blitzed. And they used to do it frequently. They wow. would play well, Eleanor, this movie. Eleanor was said... 15 times or yeah. something in this movie. Uh, apparently, this was a very prominent drinking game at an SEC school uh, that they used to play all the time. And then I tried to keep up. And by keeping up, I was just like taking a sip of beer every time I was told to take a drink. And then when I finished the beer in like eight minutes, I was like, okay, no, like I have to be <laughs> yeah, conscious for this film. That film. Like I have to take notes. I was like, no, this this won't work. But apparently, this is a prominent drinking game because wow. you could get absolutely blitzed with all the names uh, that are dropped in this movie. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. All right, Judd. Unappreciative punks. So the old crew is trying to save Nicholas Cage's little brother's life, right? And like they're trying to get that entire crew that screwed up off the hook. And at every turn, these guys question him. What are you doing, old man? What's going on here? And like, until the very end, there's like no, hey, you know what? Thank you very much, because we might all die. Like, I thought that this young crew, while they did get, to your point, Phil, dismissed at one point early, I also thought that the, there was very little like, okay, th these guys are the architects of the crime life that we have tried to lead. And so we're going to like watch them and be appreciative. And instead, they're just sort of like, yeah, whatever. I found that to be because those kids were all going to basically die if this went wrong. <laughs> yes. And they were just not appreciative. Was there, here's another question, okay? We already established that the main villain, the British uh, gangster guy, just wasn't really that no. menacing. How, how wide was his network of enforcers? Like, could, couldn't you just, with how slick you are at stealing cars and evading police officers, right? Like, you guys are professional car thieves. Couldn't they just go somewhere else? Like, couldn't they just, like, go to New York and live? Again, it just feels like, yes. okay, if my options are steal 50 cars in 12 hours, yep. flee the state and just go hide somewhere else, um, or take the fight to them and maybe kill them first. I don't know. It just feels like they chose the biggest mountain to climb. Couldn't they just move to Dallas or something? <laughs> well, yeah, get out of town. Exactly right. Get out of town. No. Oh man, it looks like we screwed this one up. Let's uh maybe let's move from Los Angeles. Yep. I don't know. 
anyhow, um, my last statement, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I feel like America had an unhealthy obsession with glorifying reckless driving during this era. Yep. So here's a short list of the things, movies and video games that were wildly popular in this like late 90s, early 2000s period. Gone in 60 seconds, Fast and the Furious, Grand Theft Auto, the video game came out. I think the first version came out in the late 90s. Even like Cruising USA and there was a couple other Need for Speed games. Need for Speed was a big one. Great game. Hot Pursuits, one of my all time favorites. Might be my Mount Rushmore. We just, I don't know, I mean, we've always been obsessed with fast cars and driving and stuff, but I feel like in the late 90s, early 2000s, we hit a peak of movies and video games that we couldn't get enough. Even in, like, the arcades that you went to, like, you were always trying to play the racing games. At least I was trying Mm -hmm. to play the racing games. And that this was at, like, the kind of the end of the peak of the arcade fandom, because it was late 90s, early 2000s. But, you know, the arcades had also advanced a little bit, and people were always, yeah, to your point, trying to play Cruising in the USA or... Or um or need for speed and stuff. You're right. It did kind of was a pop pop culture phenomenon of racing cars. I haven't seen a cruise in USA game. They must have just cruising. well. First of all, I think people are just on their phones all the time, entertaining themselves. Right. You needed ways to keep people in the bar for like an extra hour, and so Big Buck Hunter has kind of accomplished yeah. that. But I don't know if I've seen a cruise in USA in a bar in a long time. Mm. But yeah, time. unhealthy, unhealthy obsession. So th- this became sure. this came before Fast and Furious, right? This film was Fast and Furious was a year or two. The first one was a year or two after I this think, one. Is that right? I think I think it's because right like this it. did seem like a pretty poor man's version ultimately of the first one, which I actually thought was pretty entertaining. Yeah, the, first one, the first one's good. Oh, Fast and the Furious, yeah. First, yeah, Fast and Furious came out in 2001. Yeah, okay. This came out right before it. This was 2000. Because this one has similarities, but Fast and Furious did, I thought, a far better job of trying to sell you a little bit. Plus, the driving in that is just outstanding. Yeah, in the Fast first and the Fast and Furious. What's funny is actually gone in 60 seconds. This is crazy. So, Fast and the Furious obviously has become one of the most successful movie franchises ever. Right. Gone in 60 Seconds made more money at the box office than the original Fast and the Furious Interesting. by $30 million. Well, but then Cage. Fast and the Furious had staying power and sequels and all right. that stuff. So, all right, any other statements from you guys before we get into the, the two rating categories? Yeah, I've got my last one. We didn't need it. The Angela Jolie, Nicolas Cage love story Angelina was... Angelina, put some Angelino, respect on her name. I don't care what her name is. It was a waste of time. Now, that does not mean her character didn't belong in the film. That was fine. You know, she's part of the crew. I liked that part. But the attempt at... It's, it's literally like they got done with the film and thought, well, we got to write some type of love story, some type of sex scene, and they just pardon the pun, shoved it in. It wasn't necessary. I didn't like it. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. I'm not sure why you had to phrase it that way, but... Um, I said pardon the pun. I was not, I was I, not intending I to offend. I actually, I think, first of all, I think Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage is such a weird guy. It's hard to see him, like, getting romantically involved with anyone in a movie, especially Angelina Jolie, who is just, like, one of the most beautiful actresses in the world at that time. But I kind of I wanted a little bit more. I wanted a well, little then bit you more of a love interest. Got, then you should have gotten more. My point is, what they gave you was not like not enough, and it's like they forced it upon the film because they said, "Well, we have to do something." 
Yeah, of course you do. You always need love interest in movies like no. this. What if it would have been, no. No. you know, just to to, to put some more of a story arc behind his brother and, and make him more of a sympathetic figure? What if he was secretly dating Angelina Jolie's character, the brother? Giovanna and Reese. part of this was like they just she's recently pregnant and he can't die because you you don't want the kid's father to die. Like I, there's so many. Dude, ways there were so many moving parts too, though. There were so many moving parts. This film, this film had. Like, why did the dog have to eat the Mercedes keys? That's kind of a funny little kind of funny. I kind of like that. I didn't need it. Too many moving it's parts. Con- it, no, because you need little conflicts that are going to throw them off of their 12-hour they had plenty of still them, 50 though. cars. Yeah, but they had plenty. And to your point, they, they didn't exactly approach the uh, clock well. They, they zimmed the clock. The clock they management the clock. was very zimmed-like, yes. Okay. It was very Zimmer-like what they did in allowing the clock to run down too much. Okay. All right. Are we good on statements here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. All right. Let's get to the two ranking categories here. The definitive bad guy rating. The criteria we're looking for, how iconic was the bad guy? How ruthless was the bad guy? How charismatic was the bad guy? All of that in a stew. We're looking for a 1 through 10 rating here so far. In the reboot of Action Movie Rewind, Surfer Bodie from Point Break leads the pack with a 7.3 rating. Ahead of Personal Demons in Top Gun Maverick and Top Gun the Original, which both scored a 1 because there really was no right. actual bad guy or villain uh, in those movies. So, okay, so we're going to go with the British car-loving gangster oh, as God. the main villain here in Gone in 60 Seconds. Go ahead, Judd. Uh, we're looking for a 1 through 10 score based on how iconic, ruthless, and charismatic this villain was. One. Barely in the film. He gets a one. Yeah, he's a one. This is a one out of ten. There, there's nothing about him that's freaky or bad or diabolical. And there's he's, no real character. Yeah. Like, he's, he's in it, then he's out of he's it, in it, then the, he's in it. He's in it, like, at the ten-minute mark. Yeah. And then he's not in it for, like, another hour and 15 minutes. And then he's, just like, making coffins, and he, like, dies. It's, it's, yeah. it's weird. He's yeah. a one. Yeah, you know, I think you guys are being too hard on him. I think it's a two, it's a okay. two for me. Okay, give him the bit. Yeah, right. okay, you give so him the So that brings it to a 1.3 average score between the three of us. He is now the second, the second uh, best villain, I guess, based on our rankings here behind Surfer Bodie at 7.3. All right, now we're looking for a 1 through 10 rating just on the entertainment value of this movie. Top Gun Maverick, 9.3 for us. Top Gun, the original. 8.3, point break, 7.8. Okay, just because, in my opinion, this was the perfect type of film for us to review, certainly does not make it a perfect film. And we do take films, we take the cinema in this segment very seriously. I'm going to give this a five. I'm going to give it a five. It, it it was enjoyable in a funny way, but we certainly are going to watch and have watched films that are superior and really good. And this was not those things. Five. It's a four. It's a four for me. I mean, the excitement with cars is kind of cool, as Phil pointed out, that I didn't really realize it was at the peak of of that car nature uh, in society. But in general, I might might stop on this for a commercial or like a break if it was on TV. I might, but I'm not going to rewatch it. I'm not going to sit down and rewatch it start to finish. I'm certainly not going to make it out of a drinking game. It's a four. Four for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to change my score because it's the same as one of you guys. It's 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 not a movie that I'm going to stop and watch, you know, more than 30 seconds of. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to. So it's a five for me. 
Uh, we'll definitely review worse movies than this, but oh, yeah. uh, this this belongs oh, yeah. nowhere near Top Gun. So with that, it's a 4.7 average score, putting it fourth behind Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun the original, and Point Break. So there it is, boys. That is that is gone in 60 seconds here on Action Movie Reel. Question, is this of the films in the cage heyday film that you just ran through, is this easily the worst? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's even. So the the rock, the rock is great. Declan, did you did you do the rock with us, Declan? I did. When yep. we did this that was like the first one I think I did with you guys. That was fantastic. What about Con Air? Did you do Con Air with us? No, did not do Con Air. Have you ever seen Con Air? Oh, you'll you'd love Con Air. Oh, dude. Okay, Con Air. Was okay, good. we're gonna put that. We're gonna put that one high up on the list here. Con Air was really good. So yeah, I would say without. I don't want to give too much away for when we do Con Air, but. Yeah, this list of like, this lead up to this, and this was one of the biggest box office successes. It just wasn't sure. It's not on the level of Con Air Face Off. Have you guys both seen Face Off or never seen Face Off? I've never seen Face Off. I've never seen Face Off. Pretty freaky. And then Leaving Las Vegas is not an action movie. It's it's uh, actually Elizabeth Shue is the co star. It's a in that movie. Very depressing film. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. But uh, it's it's Oscar worthy. Okay. So yeah, this was kind of yeah. I, I think this kind of led to a it's a little bit of a down spell for. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. So with that, we're looking for, and we're going to bring back quite a few movies that we've reviewed, you know, two plus years ago. Mm-hmm. But I found one that we have not done yet. All right. It's a mid-90s classic with a star-studded cast mm-hmm. with an unorthodox villain. The movie is Twister. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. I saw it in the theater. Yes. I ran this at Blockbuster so many times. <laughs> Little Helen Hunt, Bill Pullman, right? Uh, Paxton. Paxton. Bill Paxton. Thank you. Bill Paxton, yep. Helen Hunt in so, her heyday. Uh, she was yep. huge at this time. So let's get it. Twister for next week's action movie, Rewind, and then uh, we'll go from there. We're always taking your suggestions, too, so if you guys have thoughts on movies we should add <laughs> I already to have a list, question, we'll too. I already have a question. Movies. I already have a question about this film. I don't okay. understand an early part. When the dad dies. To go back to when the dad uh, dies. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Think of how he dies. No, I'm not saying it. I'm saying the dad the dad is a non factor. Nobody cares well, about it. Well now you made it a factor. The dad but I'm saying Are we just are we just rolling into this? <laughs> as you watch right this, now? What no, I... what I'm telling you is as you watch this, I'm going to ask you a question next week. How exactly does this idiot die? And I want you to tell me. Okay. I'll make a note. I'm not telling I'm not talking about how he dies. Idiot. All right. That is not you, action. Him. Movie uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman also Philip in Twister Seymour too. Hoffman. Oh, he's great! It's a, it's a great Academy Award winner, I think, R. at R. some R. point. So, all right, anyhow, all right. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Action Movie Rewind. See you guys.